Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Brown History Podcast. My name is Essen, and you are listening to episode 38. Today, our guest is the ever-so-lovely Kunal Nayar. You probably know him best from the very popular, very funny TV series, The Big Bang Theory. He is honestly such a cool guy, so down-to-earth, very lovely. I wish I knew a stronger word for down-to-earth. Um, easygoing, humble, real. Anyways, you get the idea. So before we start, if you're enjoying Brown History, the IG feed, the newsletter, and the podcast, the whole package, then please do consider being a Patreon. It takes so much time and energy to keep this running. It also costs money. Like just recently, Zoom stopped being free. Now, if you want to record more than 45 minutes or so, you have to buy their annual membership, which I'm not going to lie, really hurts the budget. So if you can help out, just visit brownhistorypodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get this episode moving. How are you, buddy? Is it pronounced Asun? Essen. Essen. Yeah. Pakistan. Essen. And that's the Pakistani pronunciation? Yeah. It means Bahad Acha. Bahad Acha. Yeah. That's so funny. You ever heard that one? Essen. I I I mean, I grew up in Delhi, so I grew up with a lot of people from Pakistan. But Essen, I've never heard Essen. Sometimes when you watch an old Bollywood movie, there'll be a supporting character with my name. Really? And I'll be like, whoa. Is your par- are your parents from, where in Pakistan are your parents from? Karachi. And uh, do you have any family there still? Yeah, a few. Okay. Have you ever been? I've been once back in the day. Have you? Yeah. You've, you've probably never been to Pakistan, have you? I've never been to Pakistan. My wife has been, um, when she was modeling, they did a show in Lahore. That's wild. And she said it was in, I mean, talking, I'm talking like 15, 16, 17 years ago. But I know a lot of people from Pakistan, from Lahore, from Karachi. And the way they talk about it, you know, is, is amazing. And I'd love to go. Um, I just haven't, it just hasn't really come up. You know, it's, you know what the British did to us, right? They divided this beautiful <laughs> place up and now yeah. it's, becoming, it's becoming a logistical nightmare to go to this beautiful place. So do you think if you visit Pakistan, you you'd have like issues and and conflict with the government and with some people in in india or no not all i I mean i have a british passport so i don't think that no i don't mean like bureaucracy wise i mean like just you know trolls no no you don't care i don't care all right i mean the the kind of person that is that's going to offend is the kind of person that would be offended by anything i did regardless of you know, you have to understand that if you live your life according to someone else's opinions, then what kind of jail are you going to live in, right? So I, I really try not to, as long as my intentions are good, I try not to care. You should definitely then visit. It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. Oh, I, and I have friends who live there and who say, I mean, apparently the, the Pakistani hospitality is legendary. It's legendary. So... Uh, you tell me how you want to begin, or we're already begun. I guess. We've already begun, and usually when I start uh, an episode, I usually go back to the to the person's parents. You know the origin mm-hmm. story. You know one of the weird things was when I googled you and I tried to research you. You always came up as British actor. You know, and then I looked deeper, and it turns out that you actually were born there, and you lived there for a few years, and then you went back to yeah. India. So that's to me that was very curious. I'm like, why come all the way to England? And then just go back a few years later. What like what happened? I hope nothing bad happened. But no, you, no, no. It's you... a very fair question um, and a good question actually. My parents were, my dad was an accountant. My mom was an interior designer. She worked at Harrods actually, uh, and my dad was an accountant, and they were doing very well. And um, my brother was 
six, five, and I believe, and I was one or he was six and I was two. Mm-hmm. And it really came down to mom and dad wanting to come back home to Delhi to take care of their parents. Oh, wow. My dad literally said, you know, and I come from a sort of a very large extended family. First cousins, second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins. You know, I have like our family is massive. Mm-hmm. So I think for them, they really felt that they wanted to come home and take care of not only my dadu, dadi, but my nana and my nani. So my maternal and my paternal grandparents. So, and they wanted to be close to their brothers and the sisters and everyone. So that's why they came home uh, in 80. I was born 81. So 84, I believe, was the official move. Okay. Uh, back to India, which, which I'm is a so- tough time to go back to India politically. Well, you know, I think... We lived in such a South Delhi bubble, I always like to call it, where, yes, things were difficult, but things, you know, that's the, that was the nature. It was an accepted nature of a country that had just found its independence, where things were always kind of shifting. And there was, you know, there were some really difficult times. But on a day-to-day basis, when you're surrounded by so many cousins, and we were living in um, Kashmiri Gate, which is an old Delhi. I remember in a small um, sort of a, my, my grandfather was a dentist. Before we moved to a house, we were all together, just packed up. And those were some of the most amazing memories. I was too young, but the stories I'm told were just incredible. You know, those were different times. Uh, obviously, now it's different. But one thing I really loved about growing up in India, and there's, it's, it's not an experience I would ever give up, is every single day, someone was over. Mm-hmm. Every single day, lunch, dinner, someone was knocking on the door, opening the fridge, or I would be, I would finish school and on the way, I'd just stop at my cousin's house. I wouldn't even go home. Like my mom would be calling like four or five of my mommy's charges, not knowing where I was because I would just stop at anyone's house and hang out for hours and hours and hours. So the love and the support and the coming together, you never ever felt like you were alone or isolated. Whereas I think sometimes when you're an in- immigrant in America or Canada or, or England, if you can feel isolated if you don't have that community. Yeah. But I, did, I didn't have that. I mean, growing up in India was the greatest gift my parents gave me. So is America home for you now? Or do you think that because you have the privilege of going back and forth a lot, that you're okay with staying in America? But if you didn't have that luxury, like COVID, for example, I guess it's a good example, and you don't get to go back anymore, do you think you could you could survive in america being alone and without a community or do you think india is always going to be home it's a really good question um you know i think deep down for me uh regardless of a passport or you know a piece of paper that tells you who you are in my heart i'm indian i mean india will always be home america has given me a great opportunity and i've had a great uh I've been lucky and I'm humbled by the success that I've had here in this industry. And it's been a big part of my dream to make it in Hollywood and also mm-hmm. do Bollywood. So it wasn't just one thing. But um, if you really ask me where my home is, is where my family is, which is in India. And, you know, my wife is from New Delhi as well. And yeah. I, it's hard. You know, I've lived in the U.S. since 99. And so I'm a little more acclimated to the culture. But I will still always feel... Like when the plane, I always say where home is where when the plane lands and they say, welcome to this city, you like completely just relax. And so whenever you land and they're like, you know, welcome to New Delhi, the temperature is 45 degrees centigrade, whatever it is, I'm still, oh my God, okay. You know, there's a, you feel there's an unspoken language 
in India that I I live comfortably without having to explain myself all the time. And sometimes when I'm living in a country outside of my own mm-hmm. um, upbringing, I feel like I, I have to explain the narrative of who I am, where I am from, what is, you know, it's never like, hey, how are you? It's like, hey, how are you? Where are you from? You know, it's always that. Yeah. It's fine, which is lovely. But in India, obviously, you don't necessarily have that. You know? I mean, I've watched a lot of interviews. To research you, I've watched a lot of interviews of you. And if the talk show host is white, you oh, there's always a bit there where you have to explain something to somebody. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that you said that. So when you, okay, so here you are in this big community, in this big family in India, and then you decide to take the big leap and move to America for your education. And now you're yeah, in America you know, alone. Yeah, it wasn't so much, uh, it, it, it wasn't so much moving to America for my education. It was always a short term. It's not, I hadn't, the, I didn't. At the time, you thought you were going to go back pretty soon. You know, at the time, Essen, a lot of my friends, it was kind of that time where everyone was going to America for education. Right. Okay. And I, my school friends, and I shouldn't throw them all under the bus, but we weren't the best at studies. I was like a B student. You know, I was like playing guitar and playing badminton. That was my main sport and yeah. trying to just mess around. And I didn't really care about studying so much. I wanted to be an artist in some form or whatever. I didn't have the grades to get into Stephen's or any of the great schools, you know, in, in Delhi, I didn't have the grades. You have to get 99% to get into any of those schools anyway. So I was like, I might as well go to America and get an education. My brother, who was the brainiac in the family was going to a college in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. called Reed, Reed college. And I had a decent SAT score and I applied for a college in Portland and I got in and that was exciting. I was like, I'm going to go to America and, you know, you know, have a great time and enjoy my freedom. And my parents really encouraged me. They really encouraged me to go out and explore the world. And, and uh, I never thought that my life would, that I would still be here 20 years later. I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll say the difference for me was I meet a lot of people here, especially first generation um, Indians whose parents escaped India. They, they left because they were like, there was no economic opportunity or there was no growth or there was nothing. And so a lot of those families left and came and built in Canada, in America, in England, these, you know, that's where they built their family life for a better opportunity. But that wasn't my life. I wasn't leaving. Um, I wasn't running away. I just mm-hmm. thought that at that time, everyone was getting an education abroad and I thought it would be a great experience. And then of course the rest is history because I fell in love with acting and then I got my master's in acting and then I got Big Bang. And then here I am, you know, when I looked at your res- I looked at your like education profile, you really studied acting like you were in it and you did workshops and you really put yourself in there. So how did you make the transition from going from from business? I think it was business you were studying or finance. Yeah, I was studying business. Yeah, yeah to, to being an actor. And by the way being an actor in, in, in America, not Bollywood, you know, so the chances for you, and this was, I think the nineties or yeah, I think it was the nineties. Uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Now, you know, there weren't that many familiar faces like there are today. So for you to actually just, you know, jump in to that. I mean, first of all, I must commend you because you must be really brave. Thank you. I mean, I never felt brave. I, I never, you know, it never, I guess where it's, it's slightly different. Let me put it this way. Okay. First of all, the acting thing, I fell in love with acting. It's not like, it's not like I, 
it chose me almost like I, there was nothing. Once I realized there was no, it was like a out of body experience. There was nothing else I could do. I had never felt so passionate about something in my life. And I had told my parents that the reason I went and got my master's in acting is I wanted to be good at this. I know how difficult the odds are. I finished my degree in business only because I knew there's, you know, my chances of making it up one less than 1%. Yeah. Uh, but I never got into the industry saying I'm Indian. I want to show off to everyone, you know, I wore my ethnicity on my sleeve, not to show off or to break barriers. It's just, I, I was not confused about who I was. Okay. Um, and I, let me, let me explain that a little bit. I feel I'm Indian. I mean, that, that's, that's not the only thing about me, but culturally that's what I brought to the table. Um, I knew the odds were stacked against me, but I never, ever said to myself, oh, I'm not going to get this role because I'm Indian or I'm not going to make it because I'm Indian. No, I actually thought it was a great advantage because I looked different than everyone. And it was a great opportunity. There weren't many of us at the time trying to do what we were trying to do. And I was I really believed I was good. I had trained. I said, I don't care what happens. I'm going to leave every audition room, whether I get the role or not. I want them to think, who is this guy? Where is he from? I want to know more about this guy. That's all I cared about. Showing up on time, being the first person to get there, being the last person to leave, being polite to everyone, being the most hardworking person in the room. I would outwork you completely. Just give me my opportunity. So I was ready. Mm -hmm. I never felt once um, like, oh, it, you know, it's all against me. And how am I going to do this? And, you know, we, we, I really got to push india and push my diversity and i didn't want to really be the spokes uh, the sort of the spokesperson for all of that stuff and and if you see me i haven't really i just wanted to be an actor mm -hmm. you know show my passion and then of course what happened happened but this happened to me a lot in the beginning when big bang got picked up i would i would end up on all these panels about stereotyping and diversity and i would often not have a great or a popular opinion because see because a lot of people in this country uh look like us you know look mm -hmm. like me but are american yeah and that's the confusion right it's like they're they're american culturally they have some obviously you know indian culture within them they're predominantly american but they don't look it so they're not treated as they are in India, I'm treated as an Indian, and in America, I'm treated as an Indian. So for me, I'm not. Con there was not any confusion, any discrepancy. And I understand the discrepancy because I always said, "What if I went to India, you know, and people started treating me differently over there because, because, of for whatever reason, right?" So I really understand the the confusion or the discrepancy or the wanting to be heard and seen, it just wasn't my journey. It wasn't my story. I had a very different story. I'm an immigrant here. Mm -hmm. I'm an immigrant. I'm not, you know, I'm... So that's why I think in the beginning when we really talked about, you know, people talk to me all the time about Big Bang. You were so stereotyped. You were so stereotyped. I'm a, I'm a kid from Delhi playing a kid from Delhi. I really don't understand how you think that that's stereotyped. He's a kid from Delhi who's playing a kid from Delhi who's smart, which is a good stereotype. I mean, I don't mind playing a smart guy, you know? Yeah. I think if anything, I look back and I say, okay, yes, it'll be really nice now 
to not see Asian males be so desexualized in yeah. in some of the you know in some of in in media now. Uh, but at the time, I thought it was great to see a kid from Delhi on television on a prime time sitcom. Yeah, why not? You know. What what was your journey like before the Big Bang Theory when it came to auditions and acting? Like, how was that process for you? Was it depressing or was it like you didn't really think much of it and you just kept grinding? You know, I had a very I got very lucky because I had a short period of yeah, it was short. Grinding. I mean, my grinding was my education, and then I remember after I graduated, I I went straight to Washington D.C. to do a play, and I had saved some money, and then I went to New York. I auditioned for a play in the basement of a Mac store because I didn't have a computer. And that took me to LA to do this play for $7 an hour. Wow. Uh, so $7 a show. $7 a show. Wow. I was a waiter at a raw food restaurant. And my, my manager, I had a manager who had signed me out of my acting showcase. So I had someone on my side. You know, and it was, it was, but when you're that young, I was just so full of, joy and excitement and there was no failure I guess there was no thing like even auditions I didn't get I was like okay on to the next one I wasn't damaged yet you know I hadn't seen enough um that's funny actually it's dark so yeah, it's true you know I also I loved I also woke up in the morning remember I do I, where I'm so humbled and lucky and thankful to god the universe or whoever how i got so lucky i'll never know but whoever if there was a designer i'm very thankful to them because i actually wake up in the morning and i get to do what i love yeah and then that's the dream i mean that's really what it means to make it you know uh, as an artist is to do what you love uh, and, and make a living i mean it's just a i'm so humbled and i never forget it never that's why i try to do and help and um so many young artists because you're very spiritual guy I mean, every time i put your name up there there's a lot of content out there that involves you and spirituality and it's funny because you know you come off you're like a very confident you know yourself really well kind of guy but at mm. the same time there's a side of you that's where you're kind of you have anxiety i think and you have these kind of and and you talk a lot about knowing yourself yeah. and i'm always trying to i mean the whole point of the instagram page that i started was to know myself but i started from kind of a historical context right and i just kept going on with that but where where does your you know i mean if you have anxiety where does it where is it rooted from the panic attacks and all that where does that come from because that must come from a place where where you're uncertain about certain things yeah that's a good point look i mean i think i had i had never experienced any of that till i was 30 yeah Really, I mean, I didn't, I don't know. I, for Again, maybe I got lucky and it was my parents for, for sure who, and my fam, bigger supported family, grew up in a happy household. Um, I always knew no matter what I did, I could always talk to my parents about everything. Um, even if I messed up and I messed up a lot, you know. But I, I really didn't feel panic until I was 30. And that was very confusing. That's what was confusing is how... Yeah. When I have, and that's, you know, I had just started making like more money than I ever thought I ever would. I yeah. was just married to a beautiful woman. Yeah. When I began to feel panic, I didn't know what it was for because I had everything. Yeah. That's the weird part. 
that's what shook me that's when i began to feel like i'm look at what me i'm a confident guy i have everything how can i feel panic you know yeah that was very difficult for me do you um, i don't know if you want to say why i don't want to go oh, i don't want to cross I know, <laughs> okay you know at the time i didn't know why at the time i was i thought oh it's because i'm driving on the highway and i'm claustrophobic maybe and there's no uh-huh. stop and i don't know and then when i stopped i would feel better so then maybe i should see a therapist to get over freeway driving anxiety you know like something like that at the time i didn't realize you know that i had everything i wanted mm-hmm. and what was happening to me was all of us we live a story right we live our upbringing our culture our religion we we live a story okay that's been crafted by our parents our culture or thing and we that that becomes us the things we want the things we want to desire and all that that oh, but that's still a story so i was living this sort of dream story and for the first time i realized that that story had completed hmm i had everything i wanted and so i suddenly began to feel very uncomfortable because it was almost like i was waking up out of an illusion of the story like the story had most people live and die chasing what they want yeah so the story doesn't get completed and then they die yeah and then right before they die they realize oh, i've never lived i've never known myself right so what was happening to me at the time which i didn't know then was i was whatever driving and suddenly i was like wait who am i like this thing came to me like sudden like out of body experience like because for the first time i had to ask myself now what everything i wanted had come to fruition at a young age and then i was like now what who now that i have a, who am i that is now fascinating that everything i wanted i've had like what what is the nature of my existence now that's what was happening at a very deep level at the time i didn't know uh that was 8 years ago you know now maybe even 10 years ago so but that was the beginning of the spiritual journey and you'll see often times with people who have been lucky enough to achieve at a young age a lot of them turn towards religion spirituality something because you realize that the things from the outside cannot fulfill you they just cannot they can give you comfort they can give you satisfaction they can give you contentment they can give you an ability to give back but they can't truly fulfill you and i think that was my sort of has been my spiritual journey is understanding what fulfillment is for me you know that's really interesting i always imagine what life would be like if my chase was finished and i was thinking about it this morning like what would happen if like i got what i wanted what am i supposed to do then because this is how i define myself by struggling exactly. and that's, when... that's how you define yourself by the yeah. struggle it's very yeah. beautiful and you take away the struggle then like what do i do next and i thought that the solution would be to struggle for something else but how long are you going to keep doing that and that's and very interesting and what does it look like to live well what does it also look like to just be at ease feel i don't know i don't know what that feels like <laughs> No, I don't I, know that I, like... and I think you bring up a very, very beautiful 
thing you said you said i would try to struggle for something else yeah because that's what defines us we're defined we're 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 defined by our chase right i mean when i have that thing then i'll be at ease or when i have that thing then i'll be content and we spend our whole lives like this but it's very uncomfortable to be absolutely at ease in the beginning mm-hmm. then you get used to it <laughs> but it is it is and that's what was happening at the time is that this, like you said the struggle was like i have nothing to struggle for and now i'm absolutely silent and i have to look at myself because yeah. otherwise you're just always outside you're always outside you're always chasing 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 and then when you get it suddenly it starts chasing you and then there's nowhere to hide when when you do stop chasing a lot of times i've heard you say you need to look within you need to know who you are so i wanted to know how do you know yourself you know if you take away everything that's around, i know it's a really hard question but i'm just curious how do you how do you know yourself well it's a question you must ask yourself oh. you know that's the i mean that is literally it i mean it's a question you must ask yourself because no answer i give you if i give anyone an answer like this well the way i know myself is to do this to do that to do this to do that then that'll be another thing your mind wants to chase and there's no secret to look within is to literally make it a point to look within and you yeah. contemplate you know i will say the one thing that does help is cultivating a practice of silence it's mm-hmm. very important and i don't even mean meditation i mean i just mean to literally put your phone down to put the tv off and to just get comfortable with just sitting let's talk about uh your your marriage so oh. i've been married a year and a half <laughs> what should i expect in 10 years of our marriage oh, if we God. get that for yeah you know i never really talk about my marriage publicly uh, oh. only because no i mean I, you'll see i really i in the beginning i did because it was exciting but predominantly i think the only thing that you can protect is your privacy right, right. there's not a lot of it left okay uh, we don't have to talk about I, that i think that what what has worked for us is we both allow each other absolute freedom and that really has worked for us because i don't think i could be in a relationship where love doesn't grant me freedom mhm i'm just cannot be caged it's just not in my nature you know so i'm that's not always easy obviously uh but the the thing that works for us is we're really good friends really good friends like we really genuinely enjoy each other's company um so that coupled uh, that coupled with the amount of time we also spend apart because of our jobs and our nature of our life um it works i never say any you know i never say anything is permanent i never knew it would last 10 years who knows right yeah But it's been a fun ride and um like i said the best thing is we're friends i mean that that have to, that has to you know that has to be there what what is it like now for you in hollywood you you're well known now what is it that like the hustle and the struggle now for you it's a great question um You know, I think that the the biggest challenge coming off a sitcom for 12 years that's playing in people's households to this day like 8 9 10 times a yeah. day in households. I guess the stigma sometimes of being in a multi-camera sitcom is that you're not really an actor. You're just uh, you go there you do some funny expressions and you say some lines but you're not really acting, right? Mm-hmm. 
I think now the, the, the sort of the challenge is to be spoken about in the same circle as some of the other actors. And I don't just mean Dave or Riz, uh, you know, in terms of talent, because they both are very talented actors and are movie stars in their right. Yeah. It's also other actors. Why, why can't um, I be spoken about in the same circles as someone as an Oscar winner, you know? Right. Why not? Um, and it has less to do with sort of the accent as much as it has to do with a finding the right work that showcases. Like I did a show called Criminal UK where I played a criminal. Yeah. And that was a great opportunity for me to show the range of what I can do. So it's also picking work that gets you in the same conversations as the people that I think I can be as good as because I believe in myself. And also then proving to people that I am so much more than just a one trick pony. And that's sort of, and that's the next sort of step. Uh, and I like the challenge. You know, I like, I, my goal is that when you watch something that I'm in, you're like, wait, is that the guy from Big mm -hmm. that, That's my goal. If I can do that, that's a pretty good life. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty good career, I think. Fame can do a lot of funny things to a lot of people. Were, yeah. you, were you immune to the effects of fame? Largely? No, 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 no. No, no. Um, no look, I... No, of course not. I think that when you first experience fame, and it's no one's fault, remember, because people begin to put things out on the platter for you. Right. And it's a very exciting experience. And you never want it to end because who doesn't want to be adored? Who doesn't want to be treated specially? Who doesn't want to be treated like they're special? Everyone does. And fame has that addicting quality where wherever you go, people will pull out the red carpet for you, right? Right. But they're not doing it for you. They don't know anything about you. They're just doing it for the persona that you play on television or the thing that they think you are. They don't actually know anything about you. That's the hardest thing about fame to realize. A, that it's, fame is absolutely fleeting. And B, it's not real. It's just not real, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if you begin to believe in its reality and you begin to expect it and you begin to cater your lifestyle to be treated a certain way, it's a very dangerous path to go down because no one can stay famous forever. No one has up till now. So I was lucky that I was on a show that wasn't Glee. It wasn't Modern Family. It wasn't, you know, it was a very popular show, but mm. predominantly with families. Right. You know, I had, I didn't have much privacy, but, the, but I also was kind of left alone because we were the uncool kids. And I think it kind of worked in, in, in my favor, especially. Um, so no, it didn't, I think the beginning was a bit tricky, but yeah, I mean, Los Angeles is a pretty, it's a pretty interesting city to live in. But remember one thing about us, right? Is that we have, I, 
outside of being an actor, I have a very fulfilling life with a big family that loves me and cares for me, that I can go to when I'm in trouble, that I can speak with, that always makes fun of me. They don't care who I am. They don't treat me specially. In fact, the more famous things I do, the more they make fun of me, you know? Uh, yeah. So, whether I'm in Los Angeles or I'm in London or I'm in Delhi or I'm in Mozambique, I mean, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't affect me so much. Because also remember growing up in Delhi, I've seen so much poverty yeah. and I've seen so much wealth. Yeah, yeah. I've seen both sides of it, not on my own. We were just, you know, we were middle class, or very lucky to be. But I've seen both sides of the spectrum. So there's, it's, it's not, it's not like, I can see if you come from a place where you haven't experienced much and suddenly you get to experience all these things, how can that, how that can be such an addicting feeling? Yeah. But growing up in India, I saw it, both sides of it, you know, and I think that saved me a little bit. I think that protected me. It humbled me. Mm -hmm. Have you ever considered uh, doing Bollywood? Oh, absolutely. All I heard... <laughs> I heard I heard a story that when you were in Toronto, you went on stage and danced with Salman Khan and Lily Singh. With, that was uh, not my finest moment. <laughs> but uh, look, people think Bollywood is just, you know, dancing and songs. and But there's so much good content coming out of there is There is. Right? And even before, I mean, even if you look at some of the older movies, they were incredible. I mean, I would love to do something um, in India, in Hindi. I'd love yeah. to do something in Hindi. That's sort of something that's on my radar. So hopefully. Um, I guess my last question would be, do you have any advice for people trying to make it into entertainment, into the media, young people? Yeah, I mean, my, my advice would always be the same thing I said earlier on is work hard. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, and uh, don't get so caught up in what's going to happen. Uh, because no one can predict anything. Don't become one of those people that gets caught up. Or, I didn't get that audition because, you know, I'm brown or I didn't. Just equalize yourself. Show up on time. Be the hardest working person. Um, make sure you stay humble. It's very important. Be nice to everyone and uh, go for it. Awesome. Do you, want, do you want to add anything? Do you want to talk about something? No, that's great. I really yeah. enjoy your page. I, I'm a big fan of you and I hope we can find something to do together. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, let me just uh, stop recording.